to the Birds and Bees podcast. I'm your host, Sue Johnson. I am a white, neurotypical, uh, cisgender, what else am I, uh, capable. Uh, I am everything that is white privilege, and this podcast is for people that are not part of the heteronormative bullshit binary. And my guest today is Justice Dazzle. Welcome, welcome. She Hi there, is how are you? good. She is an activist. She is an advocate. She is a big part of Schenectady Pride. And I'm I'm just very excited to speak with you today and and hear about your journey and and all of the things that you work really hard for because you put a lot of time and effort into grassroots projects which can take over your life sometimes. I absolutely can. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, ow. Hot mic. Um, you are currently, uh, I will link all of your info in our show notes. And uh, right now, currently, you are working on a community center in Schenectady for LGBTQ people of all ages, sizes, ethnicities, able as disabled, everybody, all inclusive. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so to kind of uh, piggyback off of your introduction of yourself, um, I am a um, uh, white uh, trans woman. Um, I am gray, asexual, demisexual, lesbian. Um, I am neurodivergent. I have ADD and ADHD. I was diagnosed before they turned it into one thing. Oh, wow. um, anxiety, depression, you name it, all that type of stuff. Um, I um, work in IT professionally, um, you know, and um, went through a lot to get to find who I am, um, you know, grew up in a very, very rural area, um, you know, like right next to the Canadian border in upstate New York. So literally more cows than people mm-hmm. in my county. Um, and you know, <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> yeah. the same thing. There's lots of trees up there. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of trees. There's lots of cows. You know, like I heard somebody <laughs> say not that long ago that um, drive north until you hear them speaking French and then back up 10 miles. And that's where yeah. I live. Yeah, that's I where I grew that. up, you know, <laughs> and um, so, you know, very different. Um, and very, a lot more closed-minded. Um, and I was raised mm. in a very religious uh, background. Mm. So, um, which really doesn't jive with me and it never really has, uh, but I was kind of forced to jive with it. Yeah, <laughs> until, uh, uh, until, same situation. Yeah, until I was eight, well. 18, you know, and uh, until I moved out of the house, really. Um, and then I could kind of do my own thing. Um, And, you know, like it really, I like the activism portion of it really started really young, Um, you know, like the first time I, so um, back in, let me see, I was uh, eight, I was eight. So it would have been 1993. Um, I think it was still Cuomo at that point or whoever was the governor at that point was talking about me. Yes. Pataki had come in. Pataki. Pataki. Yeah, Yeah, it was Pataki. Making Route 11, which is the road that my parents live on, a four lane highway. And in order to do that, they had to cut down all of the trees there. And we had. um, Holy crap. 
we had about 20 150 year old maples and a oh 200 year old spruce that was about 300 feet tall and in order for them to do this four lane highway which they ended up not doing they wow. cut out the roots the root systems and then said well these trees aren't structurally sound um and we're then going to come in and cut them down and me at eight years old is quoted in the press Republican as saying, um, I want to murder him. And like was <laughs> trying, and like literally my dad had to stop me from going down to one of the trees and tying myself to it um, oh at eight at eight years old. So I, you know, and you so have that's a very always... strong moral compass from an early, <laughs> early age. That's oh, yeah. Yeah. And you know, and then by the time I was 13, 14. Um, you know, I've been getting the, um, the Christian, uh, ideas, um, or, or, or preachings and teachings of, um, you know, that being LGBT, being gay is, you know, against God, it's against this, mm -hmm. it's against that, you know, you're, you're whatever, like you can be gay, just don't do anything about it and still have kids and, and marry somebody that's of the opposite sex um you know and type of thing um and then that's okay um and when i was about 14 or 15 um one of um my close friends came out to me as gay and um he was the first person that i knew that was lgbt there were probably more that i that were in my family yeah. circles but that were just very closeted um yeah. or you know did just that married somebody of the opposite sex and had kids and stayed Have there because secret. of he kept it a secret because of where they were. Um, yeah. And, but he was the first one that came out to me. And, you know, the first thing that hit my head was, well, this is one of the nicest, kindest, most giving people I know. And because of a book that was written a couple thousand years ago and your interpretation of it, you say that mm -hmm. he's not as good as, as good as you. And that didn't sit well with me. And so even though I didn't know the terms ally or LGBT yeah. community or pride or any of that stuff, because really it's not a thing up north, um, or at least it wasn't at that time. Um, mm -hmm. It may have since I've lived down here for over a decade now, um, but um, it just didn't make sense. And so I became an ally at 14 years old. And, yeah. you know, and then I kind of went through all of the struggles and tribulations and trials and all that type of thing, um, you know, being homeless uh, seven, eight, nine, ten times. I'm not sure exactly, um, oh. you know, um, being unemployed, couch surfing, sleeping in in abandoned buildings, sleeping in my car, like all sorts of different stuff with periods of, you know, of this so of that and the other. Yeah. yeah, you know, but that's what I had to do. Um, Did you ever fear for your life? A couple of times, but because of the pain that I was in, because of yeah. burying all of this about myself, um, I really, I just wanted to die. So I was really on a, a death wish, a death run. Wow. Um, and I put myself in a lot of really dangerous situations with a lot of really dangerous people um, that could have turned out way worse. Um, oh, and for a long time after I came out of that, um, well, during it, I kind of was angry because I survived, you know, like I would have, mm. I, would, I, I literally had people like 
um, like a friend of mine came back from hunting and he wasn't sure if he had removed all the, all the bullets from the chambers of his guns. And I was like, I grabbed the, grabbed the uh, barrel and pulled it over in front of my heart and was like, pull the trigger. And he wouldn't, but this other guy who was very drunk and thought it was hilarious, pulled the trigger. Huh. Um, luckily, luckily he had removed all of the bullets from the chamber, but you know, like at the time I was so angry because I wanted to die so much, but I mm -hmm. didn't have the ability to do it myself. And so I put myself in these dangerous situations and try to force other people to do it for me and right. try to alienate everyone around me so that eventually someone would be angry enough at me to actually kill me because I was just so in so much pain. And a lot of that was because I was forced into this box that never fit. Um, you know, I was forced into this box of, you know, uh, of male heterosexual, um, Christian, a Christian man, and none of those things fit me. Um, and so, you know, fast forward a whole bunch of time, I, um, you know, I'm in a relationship that I've been in for a couple of years and my ex-partner um, was like, why don't you ever share emotionally with me, like about what's mm. actually going on and this type of thing. And I tried. And then when I did, it was just stupid things that had no actual bearing. And um, when we broke up, um, you know, one of the things that she said was you, um, you know, I hope you find what's really going on. Um, and like are able to actually figure out what's going on because for a very long time, like I, if you're a Star Trek person, yes, I basically, I, I basically <laughs> became Spock, you know, that I had these yeah. really, really powerful emotions, but they were too powerful and I couldn't let them out. So I basically Brand separated it all down. Yeah. crammed it all down and I'm going to approach this logically. And yeah. so if I have something that's too overpowering emotionally, I am going to put it over here and I'm going to wait until it settles down. And then I'm mm -hmm. going to look at it with the logical side of my brain and I'm going to react to it that way. And I did that for probably 17 or 18 until my early thirties. Um, I'm and surprised so you weren't physically sick by that just because oh. I, I also have mental illness. I have a chronic depression and anxiety and you know, if you keep trying to quell it, all of a sudden it's like, you know, why am I getting a migraine all the time? Why is my stomach so upset? Oh, absolutely. Like my stomach was always upset. I had um, insomnia almost all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, there would be weeks where I wouldn't sleep or I would sleep an hour, a couple of nights. Um, you and know, not getting a... enough sleep can make you delusional and really exactly. Impaired. Yeah. Yeah. And so finally, um, like right towards the end of our relationship, I told this to her that this is what I did. And she just looks at me like I was, like I had three heads um, because, um, and was just like, that isn't healthy. And, um, you know, and then we break up and fast forward and all this type of stuff. And I had suspected um, for a long time like the whole bi-curious thing. Mm -hmm. um, and like told myself that that's all it was. And I never told anybody about it because if I tell anybody about it, it becomes real. And if it becomes real, I can't take it back. And right. so I would, you know, do quiet stuff with random people here and there. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and, you know, and told no one about it would just 
get in my car, go do whatever, come back as if nothing had changed. And, you know, and told myself that it was simply because I wanted to be um, sexually active and, it right. did, and I couldn't, and I couldn't find a woman. So I would go and do it with a man. And, um, you know, and then when I, that I broke up, I finally started being like, somebody said something that sparked something and was like, you know what, I wonder if there's something to that. And so I kind of was like, you know what, you've been telling yourself that it's a possibility since you were 14 years old, um, or maybe even younger. Um, and you know, why don't you look into it? And so I did some research and I realized that that was a thing, but then what that did is that opened up the gender, the gender of Pandora's box. Right. Um, and so through that, I ended up um, getting in a relationship with a very lovely man. Um, we were together for about three or four months, but he was, he it was and is a cisgender gay man. And so when I started questioning my gender, I knew that it wasn't fair to him and it wasn't fair to me um, if I stayed in that relationship with him. Like I would right. simply be putting him through pain that wasn't, um, and, it, and it wasn't fair to either of us. Right. Um, and so I ended that with him. And then I did, uh, as a friend of mine likes to say, I spent about a year in gender purgatory um, <laughs> where I knew I wasn't cis, but right. I wasn't sure. Maybe I'm just a guy that likes to wear women's clothing and feel pretty. But am I a trans woman? But am I non-binary? But am I a demigirl? But am I uh, gender fluid? But am I this? But I am I that? But I am right. where? Where am I? Where do I sit? Am I that? You know. And it was this in, this explosion in my head, and I just didn't know where to turn. And so over that year, I basically did a. Uh, searching and fearless inventory of my entire life of when this happened and I reacted in this way, was that normal? Was that normal for a cisgender man or right. boy? And I went through my entire life and I'm just like, that's not something that my cisgender friends do or did. That's not something, that's not something, that's not something. But I didn't know where I was. I knew I wasn't cis, but I didn't know where I sat. And I didn't know that I was a trans woman until um, September 11th of 2019. Um, I, I work in IT and I work at a school. And so I was going through a uh, MySQL database of thousands of children's names and like correcting spellings and mm -hmm. marking them as having, as being enrolled or not and all that type of thing. And I go through and I see the first name Justice. And if you'd asked me two seconds before what my name was and what my, what my gender identity was, I wouldn't have been able to tell you. But as soon wow. as I saw that name, I knew. Um, and, and I also, I had done a lot of research onto whether to get onto hormones or not. You know, I had mm -hmm. talked to probably 50 different trans people, uh, non-binary trans men, trans women, and everything in between and outside. And mm -hmm. some of them that had been on hormones in the past that had, were no longer on some that had been on for a long time and some that had decided to never get on them and, and finding out what their experience was. Um, and, but I didn't know what the answer was for me. And I'm like, I'm not going to go forward with something if I'm not hundred percent sure. And yeah. especially something that, that physically changes uh, my body. And, and it's a deeply personal decision. It really is. You know, I, nobody... I love how you took the analytical approach first and then your emotions kind of like 
stormed the Bastille. <laughs> They're like, no, 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 no. I, analytics, get out of the way. <laughs> exactly. Like decision. I literally spent a year like being analytical and logical, but also following my emotions, like, you know, by, you know, spending more time and, and nurturing relationships with women that were in my life and, yeah. um, you know, and like uh, starting to like change some of the clothes that I was wearing and those types of things and wearing a little bit of makeup here and there and those types of things. Um, and, you know, but like at that moment, I knew who I was and I knew that I had to go on hormones and um, I knew, you know, that I needed to go forward because I finally, like at that moment, even though my body was still not the body that I wish it was, or, and I wished it was at that time, I felt completely at peace with who I was for the first time at a minimum in a very long time, more than likely ever. Wow. Because from the first time I knew I was a girl at four years old, and I was told by my sister's laughter when I wore a dress when we were playing dress up um, that what I was wasn't okay. What I was was broken. What I was was different. And if I was going to um, do anything about it, I was going to be the butt of everyone's jokes. Um, and that was just exactly. And that was just reinforced by popular media, you know, like Chandler's parental figure that. Ugh horrible transphobic jokes but that was the product of the time but that's what I grew up watching that's what I'm not, watching not with my aged, family yeah I had a discussion with a friend of mine I was like I can't I can't believe that everyone thought this was okay to make fun of a trans woman who was played by Kathleen Turner who is everyone should or I hope should know is a cisgendered person right um ugh. Yeah. You know, and so like there was that and then there were the jokes about, um, you know, you know, that people would make of, you know, the he she's and the it's mm -hmm. and the, the tea slur and like all of these different things. And that those were the only popular media and where I grew up and, you know, went to college and lived for mm -hmm. a long time because uh, I both basically like I you know, I grew up there. I moved to New Hampshire for a couple of years. Then I was in Saranac Lake. Then I was in Plattsburgh, um, you know, like so very small areas with not like a large, vibrant LGBT community. Um, and so uh, the first time I, you know, I saw like a trans woman that wasn't a joke um, or a cautionary tale. Um, was when Orange is the New Black came out and Laverne oh, Cox wow. was there. And, you know, like, so, because I knew some trans people before that, but they were all trans mm -hmm. men or non-binary people. I knew trans women mm -hmm. existed, but I didn't have any in my circle. Um, right. And so when I saw that, I'm like, this is a woman of dignity and grace and, um, and character and, you know, um, is just like beautiful and mm -hmm. knows who she is and mm -hmm. uh, demands respect by her presence. Um, and if it's not given to her, she then makes people give it to her. And like, those were all things that I was like, oh, like, so they're not, trans women aren't just sex objects. They right. aren't just a kink. Because right. the thing is, is like, just because disabled people, uh, black people, trans people are kinks, 
because people have made them and us kinks, oh, yeah. that, that doesn't mean that it's a sex thing. And it doesn't mean, mean that we are a kink. It means that you um, used our differentness um, to be um, a sexual drive for you. Yeah. And, um, but that was all I knew. And so seeing someone like that on, on the screen, it blew my mind. You know, and I didn't realize that at the time because I was still burying everything. But like when I started to look back, like that was the moment I, I like finally realized like this could maybe possibly kind be of your journey. be okay yeah. at some yeah. point, maybe. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so when, um, you know, and so basically I ended up uh, you know, coming out to a whole bunch of my friends, um, you know, and, and basically living as me, um, everywhere except for at work and then with my family. And then I came out to my family, um, Thanksgiving of, of 2019, and I'll just say it didn't go well. Um, and that it, with some of them, it's still not going well. Um, and some of them still don't accept who I am. Um, or use my name, pronouns, uh, see me as me. They want to put me back in a box that almost killed me, um, essentially, is what, what it is. You know, and they, they love a version of me that doesn't exist and has never really and existed. I was just going to say that that person is a, a figment of somebody's imagination. Exactly. You know, and even though I've already legally changed my name, legally changed my gender, um, I have some of my relatives that just won't, won't call me by my name, um, which microaggressions. Absolutely. And the thing is, is I, I get it. Like I was raised in that same church and I know what they're told and I know, um, how it's justified. And I also know my family and I know that being just like being trans and being queer and being a nerd is a huge part of my identity. Their religion is a huge part of their identity. And so something that comes up and butts up against it and says what you've been taught is wrong or is misinformed is not okay because it is literally assaulting their, their entire identity. Yeah, their um, whole worldview is based off of. How the church God, says. God, yep. Yeah, how, it, yes. <laughs> God in three persons, earth is only 2,000 2, years old and all gay and queer people are mistakes. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And despite the fact that God doesn't make the mistakes, except for gay and trans people, except for except non-white for uh, non-white <laughs> all of these things. Yeah. yeah. And and so um, you know, I, you know, even though I have a very good knowledge of the Bible, you know, I was the top student in every church church study because it was a way for me to blend in. Um, it was a way for me to because I was like, well, I don't like this, but maybe if I learn more about it, I will. So I was always right. the one that had my hand raised. You know, I was always the one that knew the line and that type of thing. You know, and so I know things like the fact the line in Leviticus that talks about um, when man lie with man only said that after 1965. Before that, it was boy. It's talking Whoa. about pedophilia. It's talking about pedophilia. It has nothing to do with homosexuality. And the only and these th- translations, which are made by men, 
we are fallible. So mm -hmm. sooner or later, you're bound to screw up a word or misinterpret something. That just blew my mind. I did not know that. Yeah, it's less than 100 years old. Um, oh. You know, and it's and, and, and you know, and the same thing, like there may be a couple of other, but the only time uh, pretty much that they talk about gender is um, and I'm paraphrasing here. Um, in God's eyes, there is no man, there is no woman, there is only child, children of God, um, you know, oh, yeah. so that yeah. there is no gender, like basically is what that says. And it doesn't right. matter what your gender identity is, as long as you do good, as long as you're a right. good person. Um, but that's not what gets focused on. And, you know, so, but I get it because I, where I saw those things from a critical mind, because when I walked into a church, I felt judged. I felt that I was different. I felt that I was outside. I never felt at peace. I never felt welcomed, even though people were welcoming because I knew these things about myself in my heart of hearts. Yeah. And so I knew that I wouldn't be welcomed if I was myself, if I wasn't this person that I convinced myself that I was and that I had to be, um, you know, it was buried real, real deep. And, um, but when they walk in, they get a sense of peace. They get a sense of relief. They get a sense of belonging that yeah. I never got. And so I started questioning those things um, very, very early. Um, and whereas, um, maybe they didn't, maybe they haven't. And that's okay because we all have different experiences and, mm. you know, it makes the world a vibrant, beautiful, colorful place by having different people and different mm. ideas and different viewpoints. But at the same time, it makes it so that I limit my interactions with them and I limit the time that I spent with them because they're missing it can, out. It can be painful. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, to fast forward from there, you know, like a couple months after that, I was put on to jury duty in Schenectady County. And oh, my I, condolences. When, I, I got, it was it was interesting um and but but the thing was is after that first selection process i finished up at like one o'clock and i work seven to three in saratoga i finished up at one o'clock it makes no sense for me to drive 35 minutes from downtown schenectady to get to saratoga to get to my desk to then work for maybe an hour before driving back so i just took the rest of the day and i'm like you know what i've heard about schenectady pride because I had just moved there maybe a year before and I um, was still figuring things out and wasn't able to go to Pride, the Schenectady Pride the, the, uh, the, the, that past summer. I went to Albany Pride, but, but not Schenectady. And I'm like, I'll go check out the Pride Center. And so like, I looked for an address and I'm like, okay, I can't find one. So I messaged the page and was like, where's the address? And um, the person who responded, um, who I now know very well and we work very, very closely together, um, was like, oh, there's no physical location. And what immediately went through my head was, what if I was going through this at 16 years old? Yeah. You know, and I had the same type of parents. Right. And I can't, 
get a ride to downtown Albany to get assistance at the Pride Center. I can't go to um, a group at eight o'clock at, at night. Um, you know, I can't get on the bus and take it for an hour one way and then an hour back to get from Schenectady to Albany. Um, those aren't options for me if I'm 16 years old. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and how many other people that aren't 16 years old, but don't have a car or are disabled or work nights and can't get to those, those things or have kids at home or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I reached out to a bunch of my friends that are in this are and were, um, cause some of them mm -hmm. have moved out of the area since uh, in, in the Schenectady area and was like, would you be interested in getting together to try to start a Pride Center? And so we had our first meeting at the beginning of November of 2019. And mm -hmm. then we met bi-weekly for about four, three, four months. We launched our website um, uh, January 1st. Um, we launched our Facebook. That's, well, we had launched it prior, but we like made it official and made it live um, on the first. Um, and we, um, and during that time, I had been doing a lot of networking. You know, I had been talking with all sorts of different organizations, all sorts of different people in this Schenectady area, different nonprofits, different, you name it. And, yeah. um, you know, so we had already started to form a network of, um, of ally corporations and companies and nonprofits uh, that were super behind it. We held our first event um, at the end of February in 2020. Um, and it was a open mic night and we had, oh, yeah. uh, 70 people show up, I believe That's was amazing. the final total for our first event. Um, and then two weeks later, everything shut down. Okay. And so over the last year plus it's all been virtual. Um, and there's been a lot of ups and downs and, you know, uh, trying to keep things held together and all that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, board members coming on, then mental health or life or whatever, stepping down myself. I had different periods of my mental health just wasn't in a great place and I wasn't doing what I committed to, um, mm -hmm. you know, but over the last, since March of 2020, we have had, um, first it was monthly, then it was bi-weekly and now it's weekly. We have a, um, adults, a support group every every Thursday from 7.30 to 9. Um, we just launched a teens from 12 to 17 support group every Tuesday from 7.30 to 8.30. Um, we are working at building a resource list of all of the LGBT plus uh, BI and NBIPOC, um, both ally companies as well as um, owned and operated. Um, so basically a LGBT um, uh, uh, chamber of commerce, if you will. Um, yeah. we have a regular list of like different companies and organizations that we work with and that are, um, affirming and, or have LGBT members on staff or owners or whatever. Um, we, you know, um, we had a mother's day event, um, in the Aww. park because Mother's Day and Father's Day are not great days for a lot of people in the community. Right. Um, so we had a we had a, uh, a get together brunch in the park uh, in, in Central Park, and we're planning on doing one for um, for Father's Day. 
Um, I have uh, some ideas uh, for a bunch of different events. We had a bunch planned, but had to cancel them all. Right. Um, our adult uh, support group is going to be going hybrid uh, within the next couple months. Uh, That's sure amazing. Exact, exact date yet, but soon, um, which I think will be good because we don't get a lot of people that join mostly, I think, because people don't know about it, but also because after working an eight hour shift where if you're in most industries, at least six of that is on video calls, you don't right. want to get on another one. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to jump on one at seven 30 at night on a Thursday. You're just right. going to sit on, you're just going to chill and yeah. or go to bed early or whatever. So we haven't had a lot of participation when we have, it's been really great, but a lot of times it's just me sitting on my laptop and, and waiting for people to join. And I, you know, like this past year, both Thanksgiving, Christmas and New Year's, I believe, were all Thursdays. And so I was there, yes. um, you know, it was a, it was a Thursday and it was a, it was a night that we were supposed to meet. So that was a night that, um, that I was there, um, you know, and nobody joined, but we were there. So if somebody needed help, somebody needed support, somebody needed to get away from homophobic or transphobic family, um, we're there. Um, and you know, like that's something that I committed to, like, even, even as bad as my mental health got, when it got bad, I didn't stop that. I made sure that I did that. Um, because you would want the same for yourself. Exactly. You would want to know someone was there. Exactly. And I had people that picked up the phone when I was, I was in crisis, when I was figuring things out. Um, you know, and not everybody has that. I have a huge network. It's gotten even bigger since I've gotten involved in this. But even before that, I have a huge network of LGBT people um, and people that aren't, but that that are that empathize. You made a family. Well, well, I, well, yeah, exactly. Like I have a, a non-blood family, and and I have you know cousins and aunts and uncles that get it and and support me and all that type of thing. So it's, it's not all of my family. It's a section and, you know, and I get it and I love them as much and, and, and as much as they do, they just love me in a way that isn't compatible with how I need to be loved. And, um, so, um, you know, so I had that of being able to pick up the phone. So I can't tell you how many times over the past couple of years, somebody has texted me being like, Hey, can I give this person your number? Hey, I gave this person your number. Hey, would you mind meeting this person? Like probably at least 30 times. Um, That's so you wonderful know, though. And, <laughs> you know, so I've actually like a couple of weeks ago, I met this woman for coffee um, and she is not out. Um, you know, and she lives with her transphobic family. Um, and you know, so just having a space to, even though she was, you know, in quote unquote boy mode, um, at the time of me affirming her and seeing her for who she is, not what she is presenting as because presentation does not equal identity, um, you you know, and, um, you know, and whether you transition or not does not equal your identity or does not make your identity less or more valid uh, because trans does not stand for transition. It stands for transgender. It means that you don't 100% align with the gender that you were assigned at birth. That's it. So whether you do anything about it or not, um, if you want to identify as trans, you are trans enough. And if you want to change your name or your pronouns, like people should respect that and honor that because it is who you are. Um, have you, and, have you heard the term trans trender? Yes, I have. It doesn't exist. That makes me incredibly frustrated. And mm-hmm. um, I, 
there's a meme that's been going around. It's very powerful. It was a pie chart and the top part says what people think um, trans and gender non-conforming issues are. And it's one half is pronouns and the other half is bathroom. And then it's underneath it has what trans issues actually are. And a big piece of that pie is having to defend your very existence to the general yeah. community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like every time I engage on a post, whether or not it's about trans issues, I run the risk of then get having people jumping on, um, calling me abomination, calling me, you know, uh, messed up, saying I should kill myself, saying I should do this, that, the other. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, people don't talk about it, but most people, if you are visible and out, um, you and you are doing any sort of advocacy or activism um, in the LGBT community, but especially mm -hmm. trans, you are getting uh, basically hate mail um, from bigoted people. Um, I, you know, I get, you know, not a ton, but I get a decent amount. And a friend of mine, she actually, like, she got literal, literal hate mail and literal, like, threats, uh, because she is very outspoken and pretty, you know, and pretty well known in, in the, uh, trans activism community. Now, I'm not surprised um, by any of this vitriol. I'm angered because, yeah, you, you, every person has their own journey when they're part of the LGBT community and no one knows your story other than some random asshole <laughs> is sitting in front of a computer saying, not a woman. And I'm going to let this person know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like literally I made Bobby, a TikTok find about something to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like go fly a kite. Literally like just go Seriously. outside and fly a kite. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like literally like two or three months ago, I made a, um, I made a TikTok um, where I started it and it had no trans content in it whatsoever. It was about, um, it was about flags and like flags being flown after dark and, you know, and them not being, and, and like, and, and, and people getting pissed about flags being burned. And I'm like, do you know the flag code? Like these things right. are literally how you're supposed to treat them and how you're supposed to dispose of them, that type of thing. But I started with, I'm a trans woman anarchist and I know more about the flag code than these people that are supposedly like, um, you know, real Americans. Real rah, Americans. Or, <laughs> yeah. And 90% of those comments were people uh, like saying that I'm an abomination against God. I, you know, like I'm, I'm just a man and I'm, I'm crazy. I'm, I'm insane. I'm uh, mentally disturbed, like all of this stuff. And so I ended up shutting the comments off, like deleted up, deleting all these people and blocking them. There's probably 40 or 50 different people. The fact that they clicked on your video time you say i don't like anything about this i'm going to tell all of my friends that are also on tiktok to send a bunch of hate comments to this person mm -hmm. Just don't watch I, I, humanity is so <laughs> like today usually i i um i'm an optimist but today I, it's been a long week <laughs> I hear you. And, and that's just... the thing is like when I engage, every time I engage, I in especially um, with uh, 
because I'm as much of an ally as I can be and as much of an anti-racist as I can be um, in addition, you know, and anti-ableist and um, anti all of these things, all of these negative things as much as I can be. But every time I engage in those types of comments threads, even if they haven't gone there yet, there is the possibility that it's going to and it's going to be assaulting me um, or the other people. But a lot of times what I do is I see that somebody is getting a uh, uh, train or um, uh, uh, steamrolled and I'm like, you know what, I can take it because I, I've been through a lot. Um, I've survived a lot that should have killed me. Um, I should have died hundreds of times and I made it through enough to find myself. Um, and this person is just figuring things out, doesn't really know who they are or whatever, or they're just getting assaulted. And so I will jump in and say something that I know will pull people away. But at the same time, I'm weighing how many spoons do I have? Do I have the ability to take this tonight? I was going to bring up spoon theory with you. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I use it I very... That. I use it actively, especially in my activism work, like whether or not I'm going to go to a protest, whether right. or not I'm going to go out and go to the grocery store certain days, because, you know, some days it's just, thanks, sir, you know, da, 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 like oh. all of this type of stuff. And, you know, like even like I have my mask literally has she, it's a black mask with she slash her in big white block letters. And I still have people misgendering me and calling me sir. And I have boobs and a purse and I'm wearing a skirt, but they're still misgendering in me and that type of thing. Whether or not they know me or not, um, because the they're saying, well, cause your voice is deeper or because of the shape of your face or because of this or because of that. Um, you know, and they don't actually say that, but that's what they're, their preconceptions are that then yeah. they do that. So it may not be um, vindictive, but it's still hurtful. You know, um, the, uh, you know, and it's kind of like, I use the example of um, the motivation. So if you hold, if you got like, you know, regular cishet dude holds the door for a pretty girl uh, at the grocery store, she's got her hands full, right? Mm -hmm. Question is, is he holding it because it's the right thing to do? Is he holding it so that other people see and are like, oh, that's a good guy? Or is he holding mm -hmm. it so he can look at her ass while she goes through the door? Mm -hmm. All three of those look exactly the same, yeah. but the impact and the motivation are different. And like when I am interacting with people, I can tell whether their motivation is, and most trans people can, whether the mess ups are on purpose mm -hmm. or to be hurtful or or both, um, or general, I forgot, I messed up, I'm having a tough time with it, um, you know, and there's a difference and the, the treatment and behavior um, that, and the way I react to it is different. And this is something that any trans person or gender non-conforming person is on high alert every time they interact in the public. And I think people don't really understand that. Um, and then, I was doing some research for our talk. Um, I, you know, going into this podcast, I was like, this is going to be great. There is, this is work. This is actual work. But anyway, um, I, I was looking up 
uh, I, I will properly credit the person in it because I don't remember right now. Um, actually, I think it was ACLU maybe, um, but I, I was doing some research and 25 trans people were murdered this year. So we're five months into the year and 25 people, the last of which were siblings. And, and let's, there's a, there's a caveat with that. There's 25 trans people that, that, were, we know not mis, that were not misgendered by the police mm-hmm. and their family and or, and or their families did not want it to be known. There's right. probably many more than that, but oh, yeah. that's the number that were actually actively out and were reported correctly in death. Yes. And, and those those two siblings in the Chicago. I'm not myself. sure. I can look it up. But, um, I've been mostly focusing on the trans sports bills lately. Yeah, but that they were hunted down like dogs. They they though the person that murdered them had the intent to find these two people and mm-hmm. shoot them dead in the street like a rabid animal, and. A revolution is going to come. I, I, I just know it. The erasure of an existence of people, I don't understand how people can just, well, it's not my fight, or I don't know anybody who's trans. and Right, and no, maybe maybe you do, and you probably do. Yeah. Uh, because Someone's that... out there living in pain right now because mm-hmm. of assholes like you. <laughs> Or the reason you don't know any trans people is because of the things you say and the thing and the way you act. So the people that are trans in your life have not shared that with you or have cut you out of their lives uh, because they know that you're not a safe person for them to be around. Yeah. And you know, thank you for sharing that caveat because it never even clicked with me of how many trans people go missing and no one says anything. Yeah, there was a woman that was... I think it was Cleveland. Um, Early early 2020, Black trans woman, she was really, really involved in the Black Lives Matter movement. And she went missing in, I want to say, April of 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, The local community was like, we need to find her. We need to da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It took them until I think think three or four weeks ago to find her body less than a quarter of a mile from where she went missing. Yes. I saw that. Like that's yeah. what an NPR that's, was. That's what we're dealing with. Unconscionable. And, it's, and it's, it's multiplied so much. If you are a person of color and if you mm-hmm. are a black trans woman, your person, your chances are so much higher, which is part of the reason why I do the activism to the level that I do, because there are things that I say and there are things that I do that if I were a person of, a, of color and if I were a black trans woman, I would not be able to say them and get away with them. No. So I use my white privilege, like you talked about in your lead, because even though I don't have what you do as a cisgender woman, I have I have more than than a black trans woman. I have more yeah. than a non-binary person of yeah. you know, because they're they're going to be assaulted from every direction by everyone. Um, you know, and like there are so many ways where um, what I do 
um, like I have, if I stand in front and say the same things that it's, 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 if I say the same things that those black trans women might say, mm-hmm. um, or it maybe would be received are, differently. Are, are saying it's being received differently because people see mm-hmm. somebody that looks like them. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the same thing as when some, when, um, immigrants say something, oh, you're just complaining. You're just, you know, you're just a negative Nancy, whatever. Or black people say we're being oppressed. We're being killed. We're being hunted. We're being this, that, and the other. Uh, oh, you're just, you're just ungrateful for all of the great things that you have in the United States. The media but, made but, this up. That, exactly. That but drives a, me bonkers when people But a white person media. says it yeah. to a white person and, or like a white cishet male says it to another white cishet male, it actually has impact. They don't believe it because, oh, the oppressed person is just going to, you know, they're, they're hysterical. They're this, they're that, you know, but if it's somebody that's not inside Mm -hmm. that small minority, that oppressed, oppressed minority, um, it has more of an impact, even though they're not the ones living it. And, and that's how our society is based. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I am going to say this, even as bad as it is in the United States, it's 10 times worse in so many other areas. For oh, example, yeah. England, in order for you to get a referral to the, can't remember the acronym, but basically um, their public health system to NHS. then get a ref- NHS. Yeah. yeah. To get a referral from NHS to talk to someone that can actually prescribe hormones, you have to live as your uh, gender identity for two full years. And then Whoa. for some people, there is a five to 10 year wait to actually get onto hormones. So there are people in some of the groups and stuff that I have that live in England that um, they have literally been living as themselves, been wanting to go onto hormones for over to up to or over a decade, but couldn't. And if they don't have the money to go private or to fly somewhere outside of the UK, Mm -hmm. um, that's what their choice is, you know, and then there are areas in the Middle East and um, Mm. like the, the Eastern Bloc. Um, that it's literally illegal to be trans. Like, like if you are, if you, if you're found out to be trans, you will be killed. And, um, and they, or you can leave, you can change your, your citizenship status to another country. Um, but if you want to change your name, if you want to change your, your, your IDs, you need to get that government to authorize it. And they will not. It doesn't matter because it's not okay to be trans in those countries. What a um, bunch of so bureaucratic bullshit. It'll, so your name Jeez. will never be your name. It'll always be your dead name or your birth name or whatever term you particularly use. Oh um, you know, and like that's that's just the nature of it. Is that, and a lot of it really comes down to um, white Protestant and Christian. Um, uh, uh, colonizing, you know, because yeah. trans people have been around since the beginning of time. They yep. have been present in every single society, every mm-hmm. single continent, maybe not Antarctica, but you know, maybe, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I know there are, I know there are gay penguins. There might be trans ones too. Um, you know, so, so maybe Antarctica, 
Um, but you know, in every, every continent and every culture, and in fact, in the indigenous tribes of almost every continent, mm -hmm. two-spirit or trans people, or there are so many different names for us, um, they are seen as healers. They are seen as celebrated. Uh, as celebrated. They are seen mm. as uh, light workers. They are seen as um, uh, uh, shaman. They are seen as etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, et There's cetera. a reverence. There's a reverence there because they can see things from a point of view that a, a cisgender man or a cisgender woman is not going to get. And they see it to some extent from both sides without being present in either side, but at the same time being present in both, but being like it's it, because yeah. of the because of the interconnectedness of their existence um, to their gender, um, where a, a cis man might never think about it. Right. Um, you know, and so they have. Um, they have, they, they have this reverence and in a lot of places that has been ripped away from them, you know, yeah. in, in, in addition, you know, all of, a lot of the black cultures, um, and the African cultures yeah. actually in Africa had that, and it was a big part of their culture, but then you have all of these people that were ripped away from their families yep. and brought here and enslaved, and they don't even know what country they're from, let alone who, what village or what, what religion or what tribe or who their family is. Um, you know, and so they were, they, and then they are then forced into this white Protestant Christian um, colonized idea of what gender is. Yeah. Um, and so when that, you know, so then when they are pushed into that, then they try to break out of it and they are then permanently silenced by yeah. saying something about it, you know, and, um, you we know, and like that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we had a patient like, that, that was a dissident. That is the sole reason that she left. Um, I want to say she was in the West Co Western coast of Africa, um, Western Africa, excuse me. And uh, she came here to the States because I will be murdered if, if I go back. And, and she became a naturalized citizen. And I was like, this is one out of how many people in that country Mm -hmm. that, that and, was and able to actually escape. <laughs> yeah, and how many of them didn't escape and how many of them are living that life that they're supposed to live mm -hmm. and, and can't ever come out and can't ever right. tell anyone. They can't even tell their wife or their husband or their children who they are because of the, or their parents, uh, because, you know, the possibility that if they do and they tell the wrong person, either that person goes to the authorities or tells the wrong person and yeah. they end up being lynched. Yeah. Um, and like, that's just, that's the way it is. Um, you know, and it like, it's, yes, it's better here. Like New York is so much better than so many other States as far as rights. New Hampshire. Like, I, <laughs> well, yeah. I live like, there. I, yeah. Like I, I can't, I can't be fired for being trans. Right. I can go into the bathroom that matches my gender identity. Um, I can't be kicked out of my housing for being trans. Right. These are not things that in every state, and in fact, in most states, mm -hmm. is true. Um, like I have friends in many, many states, and 
if it was found out that they were trans and they were in a job where it was not acceptable, the, the manager or the owner could literally say, I'm firing you because you're transgender and there was nothing they could do and they have no recourse um, as far as legally. Um, you know, social media and the ACLU, maybe, but, you know, as far as like actually being able to do anything about it, or they can kick them out on the street. Right. You know, like here unprotected, but at the same time, you know, you also have the fact that, oh, we're at will, which means that they can just say, you're not working out. They don't have to say you're trained. They don't even have to give you a reason. They don't have to give you a reason. They can just fire you. Um, right. so, so, I mean, you technically can be fired for being trans. So, which is why, it's coded. you know, yeah, it, exactly. Which is why um, unions are so integral in today's day and age. Because unless you work for Walmart, <laughs> yeah, it protects you. Um, it keeps you know whether you're trans or not, uh, whether you're lesbian or not, whether you're gay or not, um, because um, you know like whether you're black or not, whether you're yeah. an immigrant or not, um, it protects you from those uh, bigoted people. You're you're saying a kind word. <laughs> I would have said something a little more vicious, but that's just me. <laughs> I, I, um, I I try to I I try to keep myself edited. You know, there there, there were there were more words up here. <laughs> there there seems to be a cycle though too. Um, so I am one of those unusual people that likes to read about um, serial killers <laughs> and true crime, yeah. and. But I, I started noticing a pattern with certain people, like uh, the Green River Killer. He was in um, based in Seattle, and and there was another. I can't remember the name, but there was someone else who was out in um, Western New York, uh, not Potsdam, but that general area, um, targeting sex workers. So the police weren't ever really following up on that because who gives a shit about someone? who were probably in their mind, they were thinking is homeless, is probably a junkie um, and who cares, right? Mm-hmm. And, and now I see like the pattern coming in again for trans and, and not um, gender non-conforming folks. Like if they happen to be doing sex work, which I'm totally on the sex work is legitimate work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not for me to question. There's a million I, reasons why somebody can I, go into it. I sell my body for a lot less than they do and yeah. and do, have done a lot more damage to it. I mean, I worked in construction and I worked in kitchens. I made $8 an hour and beat the hell out of my body. Standing and, on your you feet know, for 10 hours a day, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then coming back six hours later. Yeah. Like, okay. like you know, like I sold my body and beat my body up and destroyed, destroyed my my, my physical health in a lot of ways doing that and, um, making $8 an hour. And at the time that was more than minimum wage. So I thought I was getting a good deal. Yeah. But I, I, um, I, I think too, because of the rise of social media, because we have strong advocates, we have people who are wanting to change the system very badly and because of people of privilege of myself are there to give them the platform it's like i i i think change is going to be coming i the optimism is kind of pushing that we've been talking about some really dark heavy stuff yeah we have you may you probably want to put some trigger and content warnings on this episode i definitely will i definitely will thank you for reminding me that 
Um, we And we're actually at the hour. So why don't we land end on something joyful? How about <laughs> I know you have a lot of good stuff planned for the future, specifically with um, youth. So just to clarify, youth is age 13 to 24, just so I put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from a medical so, standpoint, because I have a medical background. So anyway. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so currently we have our weekly Tuesday night, seven thirty to eight thirty Zoom. Um, and if you go on our website, schsafespace.org, you can find how to contact us, and we do have it. It's not publicly available. Um, there, you know, there. Uh, the person that runs it is one of our board members and is also a licensed therapist. Um, and anybody that is going to be on the board or volunteers that is going to be um, moderating or present type of feel is going to be doing uh, mandatory reporting training. So if there is something that it's not so great um, that, you know, that happens um, or that is, is um, inferred, uh, you know, that, mm-hmm. that the kids are protected. Um, we also, um, and it's, you know, it's not publicly available, have to go through us and then we give it to you after, after filling out some paperwork and after like giving it all to you and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we also have access to something called Q chat space. Um, which is a leave there. There are five a week, I believe it is, uh, moderate uh, different times for different identities, all chat based um, uh, support groups moderated by professional moderators from different pride centers around the US. Um, And um, it also, the way the site's built, even on a mobile browser, they have a button um, to go to Google. Um, so if your parent starts to walk in the room, you can hit that, you can click that button and it'll automatically exit out of the tab and open a new tab into Google. So it will look like you were just starting to search. Um, so, so it can, so it keeps your, your anonymity and, uh, keeps you from inadvertently outing yourself when your sibling walks through the room. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so that that's available. That's also on our website planning stuff. Um, we want to have, um, some youth groups. Um, we, once things start to open up, we are planning on potentially doing, um, some uh, events uh, slash weekly or monthly groups at local libraries because it's a lot easier for a teenager to come to a library than it is for them to come to another building that may, um, you know, just drop off for getting for going studying or I'm studying with my friends or I'm doing this robotics club or I'm doing this whatever and you know not necessarily LGBT focused but a queer space. And, um, and it's air conditioned and they have clean water. And, and I'm not saying that to be facetious, oh, absolutely. but those are safety places and, for people, for kids who are homeless. Um, yeah. And so, it I'm is, a huge library and, nerd. And, and, <laughs> oh yeah. My dad was a librarian until he retired. So I, I grew up in libraries literally. Um, and, um, you know, and they are accessible. Um, there is, you know, they're, they're safe places. They are mm-hmm. good shelter places. So if there's were anything to happen, they have, they have shelters built into them. Most of them do, um, you know, they are open to the public. They are free for both us to use and for the kids, kids to use, get some other resources, that type of thing. 
gets them out of the house if maybe their situation isn't the greatest for whatever yeah. reason, um, you know, um, and uh, as well as uh, we, once we are really cemented and we have the funds to be able to pay for background checks for people, one of the programs that I want to put into place is Big Siblings, yeah. Um, yeah. which is if you're, you know, a 12 or 37 year old guy that comes out and says, I'm gay, but I don't know what that looks like um, or how to really go about that or how to embrace that part of my identity, you can call us up, email us, whatever, um, and you can um, get paired with someone that has a similar identity to you um, that has been through background checks that is doing this for a giving back to the community and enhancing the lives of other people type of situation. Um, so that you're not, for example, if you were a 37 year old man and you're like, well, I've heard there's gay bars downtown, right. you know, and then you get end up getting, getting picked up by somebody that's just trolling for, for, for casual sex, right. um, you know, and that's what your experience is. Um, you know, that's your first experience with it. And it's mm. maybe not what you are looking for. Um, you know, and if, if that is what you're looking for, that's great. And that's right. awesome that that's, that that's there. Um, if that's what your, what your experience and what your, um, your goal is, but if that's not, there need to be other options and other avenues for you. Um, and you know, so, you know, somebody comes out as non-binary at 16 years old, we can pair them with somebody that's been out since, you know, I, I have, I have friends in the area that have been out since the mid eighties as non-binary, you know, before there were terms for non-binary before non-binary was a thing before they, them pronouns, I mean, they were around, they've been around longer than he, him, and she, her, that Shakespeare used them. Um, they, (laughs) When, when they were, when they started using they, them as personal pronouns, the and thou were still in popular use. So that tells wow. you how old they are. Yeah. Uh, they're like older. 1300s, right? Mm-hmm. They've been around forever. Um, and people saying that they're not grammatically correct uh, don't know grammar. Plain and simple. <laughs> um, and, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, and you can tell that their grammar is coming, coming from, you know, bigoted thesaurus. And um, (laughs) so, uh, you know, but that they can talk to somebody that's been out for 10 years, for 20 years, that say, this is how I was able to figure things out. This is how I was able to get people to start gendering me correctly. This is how I was able to get people to start doing this. This is how I was able to um, have a relationship with my family. This is how I was able to come out at work. This is how I was able to talk to my partner. This is how I was able to do these things, that thing, whatever, you know, or just let's go bowling, right? you know, and just have a good time with somebody that you relate to. Yeah. And you know what I love about this, especially I'm not picking on anybody, but there, there is a certain aesthetic that gay men like and it's younger so there is a bit of there's ageism in the community um but i love that you're just taking this on and being like no 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 separation with ages no separation no we're we're all a community we need to be fostering each other not tearing each other apart yeah and that's one of the things that we want to do with all of our um all of our programming and all of our events is we want to make sure that they are in um, physically accessible spaces, that they are in um, 
emotionally and um, stimulus accessible spaces. So like even if we have a dance, let's say, yeah. there is also definitely going to be another room where it is quiet, where maybe the cookies and cookies and milk and punch and stuff are with some couches or chairs and tables so that if somebody has sensory issues or, um, you know, loud noises or the repetitive whatever um, becomes a problem for them, they can go into that room and they can have a quiet conversation or they can read a book or whatever, and they can still mm -hmm. be a part of it, but they don't have to be um, assaulted in order to do it. And they don't have mm -hmm. to be caused trauma in order to, to be in a part of it, you know, as well as all of our events are going to be alcohol and drug free. Um, that's something we made. That was a decision we made at our first event because there are underage LGBT people and there are people in recovery or that that are on parole and or probation. And if they're around alcohol, they could literally go back to jail or prison. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are many reasons why or, you know, a mom that's by and she has two kids that are three and five and she can't find a babysitter and she needs to bring them with her. She doesn't want to have to deal with a bunch of drunk people um, maybe falling right. on top of her kid, you know, or being like, oh, so much fun. And like, lift, like throwing them up and smashing them into the ceiling. That actually whatever. happened to me at the movies as an adult. <laughs> Somebody yeah. drunk. Uh, yeah, that's a whole other story for me. <laughs> right. But, you know, but that's it. And we want to make sure that every every event is fully accessible. Um, every event is um, open to everyone. Um, that your gender identity, your socioeconomic class, your um, racial background, whatever is not a barrier or a reason for it, for it to be an issue. And if it becomes an issue um, or if someone is making it an issue, um, we will handle it. You know, you don't handle it. Come to us. Well, we'll kick them right out. You know, like we'll take care of we'll take care of the of the problem person, you know, and they are welcome back if they want to behave. Um, if they're if they're being bigoted in any sort of way. They are not welcome. Um, you know, but if they want to be if they want to be. Open, inclusive community building, that's what we're we're for. So right. if you are open, inclusive community building, you are more than welcome to be a part of our space and help us to build the community, um, you know, and so eventually we want to get it to a point where we have a physical space where people can just come where we have a community closet that people donate clothes, mm -hmm. we wash them darn them if needed um and then uh put them there for people to take for free you know having like a piano for people to play having a library of books that people can read whether it's queer literature or just literature uh that right. people can read um you know while they're sitting there or borrow um you know having a place where you know your 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 kid comes out as gay you don't know who to talk to or what to say and you don't want to alienate them um any more than you may already have um you can come to us and say this is what's going on help and we can connect you with somebody whether it's a parent or a husband or wife of somebody that went through something similar or somebody that is gay themselves um you know and and say well if you do these things it's probably going to cause a problem but here are some things that you can do that are helpful and that are that are affirming and that are welcoming um right. you know so while the primary focus is going to be lgbt people um in order, a, a, one of the things that I have noticed, 
um, and kind of realized with all of, with my years of activism and allyship and that type of thing is that most of the time, not all of the time, but most of the time, the bigotry and the pain that is put onto people um, mm -hmm. is because the person that is doing it does not relate to you, doesn't know anybody like you, um, doesn't see you as a person, they see you as a talking point. Yeah. And so by having that aspect of it, that people can get that knowledge that is needed, get that education that is needed, um, maybe we can reduce that. And there is bigotry or um, not bigotry, but um, not controversy, but maybe butting heads, let's say. Mm -hmm. I can't think of the exact word. It's been a long week um, <laughs> from both sides. You know, yeah. there are there are people that are LGBT that are that that you know somebody says something and it's it's a it, it's an issue, yeah. um, and and like I don't want to say that I'm okay with uh, tone policing because I'm not. Like you don't police people's pain and their yeah. and their oppression, but sometimes um, you know it ends up becoming more of an issue uh, because this person who is hard-headed or has had a lot of trauma um, gets affected by this person who um, is, is coming at it from a bigoted standpoint. And instead of letting the two of them, you know, start a battle royale, if you have somebody cut in the middle mm -hmm. and pull the bigoted person away and have a conversation and pull the offended and and oppressed person away and have a conversation. Maybe not the two of them will be friends, but maybe the next time the two of them come into a similar situation, they will react in a more kind and loving way. Yeah. Because you can that. be you can be kind without being a doormat. Yeah, you can be absolutely. friendly without being without being a doormat. You know, that's yeah. something that I've I've kind of pulled into my own life that I can be kind to people most of the time. Mm -hmm um when even when i'm being oppressed i it but i am at a place of privilege being able to do that because i have not been um assaulted before my identity i have not been raped for my identity i have not been arrested for my identity i have not et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. yes the last time i was pulled over by police i feared for my safety mm -hmm. um but i also um didn't fear for my life. Um, whereas some people that is not their experience, you know, and I yeah. do feel more comfortable and safer in a crowd of black lives matter activists than I do around one police officer. Yeah. Um, you know, and, but, Absolutely. Uh, but I also know that the percentages are with me, right. even though I am a, uh, opinionated, loud, tatted up, anarchist, queer, trans woman, um, I still have less of a chance of there actually being an issue than mm -hmm. some of my best friends. And it's, that's a lovely way to, to end our conversation. But I do want to mention one thing really quick, just because I'm a big nerd. <laughs> um, <laughs> you had mentioned it before, Star Trek. I, do you, are you watching Discovery? I am not. I have not started that one yet. Um, I, okay. I'm in a bunch of different groups, but I haven't I haven't gotten into discovery yet. Um, I love it. 
<laughs> I love it so much. And then this past season, well, from the beginning, actually, Tignataro has been on it. And I love Tignataro. Mm-hmm. And um, this past season, they had two uh, gender fluid actors, young people. I think they were both like maybe 1920, if that. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was huge. So the actors they were using were gender queer and the characters they were portraying were outside of the binary. And I was, I'm sorry, it's they've always been on the cutting edge. They've, um, what's his butt? Uh, Gene Roddenberry, <laughs> he's always been anti-racist. He's always had a kind heart and he's always stood up for the little guy. And I just, I just love Star Trek to pieces. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, and just one, I know we are way over um, your okay. time, okay. but I just want to uh, do a quick plug. Schenectady Pride is going to be oh, in I was person tell you. this year yep. at, um, at Gateway Plaza, downtown Schenectady at 11 a.m. We are going to be planting sunflowers and such around the park from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. There's going to be a bunch of performances, um, different tables from vendors and that type of and, and different organizations, as well as Schenectady Safe Space is going to be doing uh, a bunch of panels. We're going to be doing one um, for um, ASPEC people, so uh, asexual and aromantic. We're going to be doing one for black and trans, of, of black and trans people, one for um, intersectionality, so people of color, disabled, uh, ESL, those types of things. Um, we're going to be doing one for uh, non-binary people, um, one for Ah, uh, people of faith and one for parent, LGBT parents. Um, and then myself and Mickey, who they are also on the board, um, are going to be doing a, I haven't figured the exact time, but either an hour or hour and a half activism and allyship educational workshop. So people have the opportunity to ask those dumb questions that you don't want to ask, or you have been maybe it wasn't received the best when you asked right. it and we can explain why. Right. That's, that's the case. And you can ask those borderline or flat out offensive questions. And we're not going to take it as an offensive question because that's the space. It's an educational space. So you can ask those, those questions that might get you hit <laughs> um, in any other situation. Well, let me just say, no one likes a backhanded compliment. Don't ever do that to somebody mm-hmm. who's trans or non-binary. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that should just be common sense, but these are right. the things but, that we have to reiterate. <laughs> right. But just quickly, while, right before we end, for oh, example, yeah. with the backhanded compliment, there are things that you may see as completely acceptable and what's well, a good mm-hmm. thing that's not. That's so true. for example, when I first came out, I have a bunch of very well-meaning, very supportive cis women friends, some LGBT, some not, um, multiple of them said to me, um, well, count your blessings that you don't have to worry about having a period. Whereas for me, I would give my left arm for that because that would mean that I would be able to to bear a child, but -hmm. it's not something that I can do. Um, and so every time they said that it was the knife in my heart, um, you know, but that's not something that they would know, uh, because for them, it can sometimes be 
a painful process, a, uh, a burden that they don't want all of these things. Right. Um, you know, and, but, you know, there are things like that, that if you're not trans, you may not understand, or if you don't have trans people in your life, you may not mm-hmm. get that, that those types of things aren't helpful. No. And in fact, they're hurtful. Yeah. So, you know, we'll talk about things like that. And I'm going to put all of your information in our show notes, your website, and the link to um, the Facebook group. And um, feedback makes the show better. So go ahead and please like, rate, review the podcast. Um, if you have any comments for feedback comments, please send them to birdsandbeespod at gmail.com. Um, if you have a story to share, if you would like to be included to be interviewed, please, again, that is birdsandbeespod at gmail.com. And you can also follow me on Instagram at birdsandbeespod. And thank you, Justice, so, so much. This has been, it's been a heavy conversation, but it's been eye-opening and you are so fabulous in everything that you do. And I'm a proud Schenectady person and I would love to see more resources available to um, our LGBTQ community. So thank you for everything that you do. Absolutely. All right. Take care. See you soon, guys. Bye.